and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with theindicars.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's cover focuses on a software firm uh, which has done a few things differently from the beginning. It has hired high school graduates from not so privileged backgrounds and put them through the grind to code software. Uh, this 20-year-old company's boss uh, runs the firm without any venture funding. It has 100,000 customers, 18 million users in 122 countries. Uh, that's Zoho Corporation and it's galloping. To talk about all of this with me is the cover story author, Hari Chandan Adakali. Hi Hari, thanks for doing this. Hi Abhishek, great to be here. Thank you. L- let's start with uh, what Zoho is about. What problems do they solve before getting into your cover story? What is Zoho? What they see as, as the most promising and the most forward-looking part of Zoho is uh, all about helping people, individuals as well as big companies, get work done better using the power of the internet. They actually have three parts. The first part, which they started out 20 years back, actually was about a piece of software. It started its life as a piece of software that uh, that they sold to original equipment makers in the telecom arena. You know, early customers were like Cisco and Nokia and so on. I think around 2003, they built another suite of applications, which which became what is today uh, the managed engine division, which also currently accounts for, for the lion's share of the company's revenues, which is software that helps companies monitor and manage uh, their own IT networks. Now we come to the Zoho part, which is the the cloud computing part, and they have a fairly wide and deep portfolio of applications that you use in a fashion that's similar to you use email on the internet, whether it's Gmail or whatever you use. Think of it in an oversimplified manner as renting something and paying a subscription for it. Broadly, it's it's a whole set of internet-based products from simple things like email to very complicated things like software which you use to build other software. What is your cover story about and what did you set out to investigate? So interestingly, it really didn't start out as a, as a cover potential feature. In fact, it did not even start out as a large feature. When we started out, it was as simple as a travel request email from, from me to my boss saying that here is this interesting company. They're having a press conference. I'm going to go and cover them and see if we can do something at least online. And I came back and started telling my bosses about how Zoho has evolved from that small piece of software in the U.S. today to arguably India's best kept secret in terms of a software product company that's bootstrapped and is, I mean, you know, if you allowed a VC to value it today, it's easily a unicorn given their uh, revenues. So, and then the way, the manner in which they have done, the culture that he has, uh, you know, institutionalized, uh, building leaders who have gone on to build their own startup, successful startups, companies like Fredbear. And as you mentioned at the beginning, the way they have built the whole Zoho University training program, which today accounts for almost 15, 15% of the company's half strength and including trainees. It's a remarkable story and they're going from strength to strength. Talk us a little bit through the journey. Very few entrepreneurs are uh, loath to take funding. Uh, to quote Sridhar Vembu, Zoho's boss, he says, it's not real, meaning he's talking about the funding yeah. where the, the valuations game and all of that. So any reason for shunning that bit altogether because the expansion is that much slower? Yeah, so it's, it's a trade-off that he's uh, very much willing to live with because as he says in the interview as well, why do you want to sacrifice your freedom? So to answer your question first, back in 2000, they did have you know, dalliance with, with one venture capital company. They were looking for about $5 million in funding, 
at a time when they already had $10 million in revenue. He says that he found this clause in the term sheet that they were offered that within seven or eight years, they must necessarily give the investors uh, an exit or some clear path to liquidity. He said he looked at that and uh, there was no way that he could guarantee that his company would be able to do that. He felt that the moment you took the money and agreed to something like this, it would hugely compromise the way in which he wanted to run the company. What did they start with? Back in 96, the whole uh, computing industry was different. What was the genesis of this firm and how have they changed with, with times? What they started with was uh, AdventNet. They originally called their company AdventNet. They bootstrapped using say, their own savings. Sridhar Bambu, he had finished his uh, PhD in uh, Princeton University. He, he was working at Qualcomm, where he had been for about two years. His brother Kumar Bambu, uh, he started out in, uh, in India, TNET group in IIT Madras, and then he did a stint at the HCLHP uh, R&D unit back then in China. And then he went to the U.S. He started at Intel, in fact. Is there as a contractor at uh, Intel. So that's one of the interesting anecdotes that I was not able to get into the print story. When he was working in India, he said how he was working, he was putting in 18-hour days and really enjoying it. Sleep was more than sort of... A biological necessity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was like jumping out of bed and getting into, you know, the R&D unit and his building products. And then, then he, went to, he went to Intel in the U.S., the project that he was working on, he said, was a very highly confidential project. Because he worked as a contractor, Every time he asked for some information, they would say, okay, we'll check if you have authorization for this. And then they would go away for three days and he'd just be sitting there twiddling his thumbs doing nothing. While that was the process that they had to follow, he decided that he couldn't be idle. Then he too ended up at Qualcomm for about a year, coinciding with the second year when Sridhar was there. They kind of all decided to come out and start something on their own. So that's how Advent had happened. So they pulled in their savings. Talk us a little bit about the Zoho University, where the first paragraph of your story talks about a person in that firm uh, who was 12th pass and poor economic background, and then he was given the right education for two years to code software products. Now he's a product manager, doing well for himself, married, and all of that. So uh, this doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah, the most uh, remarkable thing about graduates of Zoho University is that it's not like a sort of a small pilot project, or it's not like a corporate social responsibility scenario. It's, it's at the core and it's very integrated with what Zoho does. They started the program in 2005 and I think they had a, they had a, like a monthly stipend of something like 1,000 rupees at that time. And, and even that was a big deal. So they came up with a way to identify young people who had the, you know, the wherewithal to build great software products. So they relied on a bunch of IQ tests and aptitude tests and some math puzzles and so on. Uh, it was okay if these, if these young people didn't really speak English very well or anything like that. That became part of their training program anyway. And at the head of it all is uh, the brainchild Sridhar Wemboot, IIT Madras, PhD from Princeton University. You, you let us know about his mindset as to how he learns from his mistakes, doesn't get extremely sad or extremely happy, the middle path. So it, it reminds me of that Kipling's to, you know, poem that we had in school, if you can keep your head when all others are losing it around uh, you, if you can meet with triumph yeah. and disaster and treat those yeah. two impostors does the same. So uh, what are some of the couple of mistakes that he might have done uh, mm -hmm. where they flopped, but then he dusted himself off and moved on. And where does he want to take his company ahead? 
Yeah, I mean, and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head uh, with the Rudyaki thing. thing. I mean, that's, that's a great way of describing uh, uh, Sridhar Vembu uh, as a human being. Nobody is in doubt about who's in charge. Sridhar Vembu is very much in charge. But it's not like they're subservient to him. About the mistakes, uh, unfortunately, I just didn't get to ask him about any serious mistakes that he might have made along the way. But the approach is very clear. Like uh, his sister Radha Vindu talks about, while building Zoho Mail, uh, there were instances when they were really upset and frustrated with something that went wrong. And, you know, but Sridhar would always take the attitude that, learn from that and pick yourself up and move on. That's the attitude. He's a very simple person. When you, when you meet him, there isn't any pomp and glory and you don't see a CEO in, a, in an Armani suit or whatever. The thing is, that simplicity and, you know, the approachableness for the person, it kind of belies what is inside, which is the fierce, burning desire of an entrepreneur to conquer everything that he touches. And, and where does he want to move next? Uh, what's the future like? Yeah, he says it most eloquently himself. He says, anybody who has any work to be done, we want them to come to Zoho. He wants Zoho to be the most attractive, the most intuitive, user-friendly option for anyone who wants to do get work done you know, on a computer or a mobile phone. And will it change his mind on venture funding? So that part of it is sort of very deeply ingrained. In, he's very clear that the mission is not just, you know, Zoho the company, but also India. And he speaks about how Zoho is, you know, part of this whole mission of that you can be a profit-seeking company and you can also do a great deal of good. He is very uh, adamant that that is the mission and therefore Zoho will never be on sale. And it is a profitable firm. I read somewhere that it makes twice as much profit per employee than an Infosys perhaps. Not twice as much profit, but revenue revenue per employee. Two times, they're a privately held company. They don't want to give sensitive information about financials. But as a thumb rule, he always likes to say, you know, we are... Our revenue per employee is two times that of Infosys or that of TCS or whatever. So he, he laughed at that point and said, you're a smart person. You go figure what my numbers are. Right. And, and you do speculate in the story, don't you? Uh, you're trying to uh, add up. Yeah. So, yeah if, you, yeah, if you look at Infosys' revenue per employee as, as the sort of benchmark, then two times that is roughly where we are. I mean, he's in the range of $350 million in revenues. And to answer your original question, yeah, there's no question of, going back to a VC or external funding. They've been profitable almost from the get-go because it's just a question of making software and selling it, right? And they found early customers. So investments go more in terms of hiring engineers, but then they're not a services company. So they don't hire a huge number of warm bodies. There's still only 3,600 people. Right, unlike unlike a lakh and a half yeah. for these other behemoths. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hari, it's a great story. Thanks a lot for your time for this podcast. Thanks, Vishay. It's been wonderful being here. Thank you. And all you listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818.